It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the College Football Coast to Coast The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to College Football Coast to Coast. No, it is not a new season. We are still in the offseason, folks. You'll have to wait a few months for the season to start. Uh, I know Tyler and I are excited. Of course, we are still uh, in our season in review series. And next on the docket is the ACC. Of course, you know, last week, Tyler and I, we talked about the Pac-12 and, and you know, the, the coming up of the Pac-12 as we thought it was going to fall apart. And uh, really, they showed up uh, to be something a lot bigger than what we both anticipated uh, at the start of this past season. So, Tyler, you know, we get to the ACC here. We go from West Coast to East Coast. Teams change. Uh, play styles change. You know, it's it's very different moving across the country here. Of course, as you guys know, if you have seen any of our season review episodes previously, as we did the Group of Five in the Pac-12, you know that we have our standout, our most improved, and our loser for each conference. A little different about the ACC here. Uh, ACC has two divisions. So we have the Atlantic Division and the Coastal Division. Uh, so we're going to break down each division. So we'll go with the Atlantic Division Uh which, of course, folks, as far as geography goes, Atlantic uh, and Coastal doesn't make a whole lot of sense because they're both right there on, on the water. Um, so it, it's kind of all over the place, really, and, and there's no rhyme or reason of, you know, geographically what team is in what uh, division. So, uh, Tyler, you know, I'll let you take it away here. First, we'll start in the Atlantic. Uh, who's who's your loser? I know we'll start off on a on a you know gloomy note, but uh, who's your loser for the Atlantic? Yeah, and just before that, I mean, the ACC was definitely an inter- interesting conference. Whenever we were looking at it in the preseason, both of us like we were just saying that this is Clemson's conference, and this is really has been Clemson's conference for the past uh, couple of years. But I think that the narrative will start to shift. Uh, we saw that uh, what Florida State did this year. Teams like North Carolina is starting to come up. Uh, Pittsburgh and Duke are starting to to really come up. And then you have teams at the bottom like Virginia Tech and Virginia really struggling. Uh, but for my loser in the Atlantic Division, it has to be Syracuse for me. I mean, this was a team that was ranked very high. I believe they're ranked number 16 or 17 going into their matchup against Clemson and they really had that game one but their offense really stunk it up in the second half if you're you're watching that game Syracuse's defense was really troubling DJ Uyungle and that's why uh, Dabo Sweeney that was really the first game that we saw Cade Klubniak it feels like every time that Clemson faces Syracuse they're putting in the backup we saw it a couple of years ago uh, whenever uh, Syracuse ended up winning that game. Uh, but Syracuse, I mean, they went 7-0, and and you see their record 7-6. and That means they lost six of their last uh, games. Uh, so it was really, I mean, Dabo's uh, really uh, Dino Babers coming into this. I had some question marks of his coaching, especially his decision-making processes. And we saw it for the second half of the season. I mean, Syracuse was right up there with Clemson. If they beat them, then maybe Syracuse is that team that we're talking about and facing North Carolina in Charlotte. But it was just a real dumpster fire of a start, 4-4 four and four in the conference. So that's where really their majority of their losses came from. Uh, two came outside 
of the conference. And one of them was actually to Notre Dame, a team that we'll, we've been definitely talking about, didn't really get to into the group of five since they're just an independent school. But Syracuse, I mean, their defense just really fell flat. Just a, as an entire team, I'm, I'm sure that you'll say the same. Uh, but Syracuse is a team that I was definitely disappointed in, especially the second half of the season after a very hot start. Yeah, I think this is probably the only part of this division where we'll disagree somewhat. Uh, my loser, I'll go pretty far down the list. I had high hopes for this team, especially based on last year's performance. But for me, it's Wake Forest. Uh, overall, they finish 8-5, and five, which is okay. Uh, but here's the reason why they're second to last in the division. They went 3-5 and five in the conference. So all five of their losses came within the conference. And they couldn't get it done in the second half of these games. It was It was just not a good season for them and a performance for them to remember, especially from last year, I expected Wake Forest to kind of be that runner up in the Atlantic this year. Uh, you know, I know Clemson was back on uh, to their normal self a little bit and that they were going to be a contender, but uh, I mean, Florida state, everybody was high on and they moved up quite a bit, but I just didn't see Wake Forest falling this far down the division uh, based on this year. But I, it was just a really, really bad performance for them. I know they still played in a bowl game, but it, it just three and five in a conference that you just played uh, this past season in the ACC championship game is absolutely uncalled for. And I really, they have to go back to the drawing board and, and figure it out here real soon. Uh, but if yeah, I mean, going into the season, I mean, Sam Hartman's health was in question. Uh, he was dealing with blood clots. Uh, so I wasn't really high on Wake Forest because whenever we were doing our preseason show, that news uh, didn't break. Uh, but 8-5 and five season with Sam Hartman is definitely a disappointment to me. I just don't think that the defense uh, was there the whole entire year. I mean, whenever they faced off against Clemson and Florida State, Clemson in that game, Going back to that game, I mean, that was a double overtime game, and Wake Forest splits up 42, but you give up 49 to Clemson and offense that's been struggling. Uh, so, yeah, I definitely get your uh, really disappointment uh, with Wake Forest. And three and five in the conference is completely unacceptable. I mean, you were just one game better than Boston College. That's been a team that's been going through some troubles with their head coach as well. They've been rattling off, you know, some transfer portal players. Uh, so, yeah, Wake Forest, you can also say NC State, especially with De Devin Leary going down as well. So definitely a lot of disappointment in the Atlantic was what I'm seeing. Yeah, move, moving on to our most improved team. I kind of got an idea of who your most improved team is, and it's probably the same as mine, uh, but we'll just give details for why we think, and I'm sure we'll agree kind of with the most part with this. Yeah, so you can see uh, the Tomahawk chop. I got to go with Florida State. Uh, like I've been saying, Mike Norvell, that's been a coach that – I mean, the Florida State fans have a really historic uh, – you know, having a coach, an historic coach like Bobby Bowden and then going from Jimbo Fisher, that's – this has really been a program that hasn't had any luck since that Jimbo Fisher run. The last time that they made – Really, a, a, the college football playoff was Jameis Winston's final year, and they got absolutely skull-dragged by Oregon and Marcus Mariota in that game. Uh, and then they decided to go with Willie Taggart after that. We know that Willie Taggart, what he can do, he didn't even last at two seasons in Tallahassee. And then they bring in Mark Norvell. Norvell really built a really good program uh, with Memphis, uh, especially the Paxton uh, Lynch uh, really era in Memphis. Uh, but – I think slowly but surely this Florida State program is really turning the corner. Uh, you know, looking at the, the really the Florida programs in the state, you see that UCF or what they're doing. Florida and Miami are really off to a rough start uh, with their new head coaches. So Florida State could be the team of the state heading into the next season. I know that I'm very high on this Florida State team, especially with a returning talent. But going into this season, I think that their season was set up in week one with a big win in New Orleans uh, against LSU, that that crazy ending that we all saw uh, with that missed field goal by Damian Ramos. Uh, but after that, they really handled their business outside of the conference. I feel like they could have done a little bit better inside the conference. Uh, they played uh, Clemson very well, uh, but they did lose uh, three games uh, inside the conference, uh, three games that they really should have won. They really lost it uh, in the fourth quarter. But I think that Jordan Travis uh, really had a phenomenal year. I think that they could be set up uh, well. 
Uh, we saw their their running game. Uh, that was really their focal point uh, of their offense. A really good uh, offensive line. And then one of the best D lines uh, that we saw in the country alongside uh, Georgia and many great teams like Michigan as well. Uh, so Florida State to me, I uh, could have gone with maybe a Louisville, uh, but but so far 10-3 and three overall, winning a bowl game against Oklahoma, that's definitely a step in the right direction. I think that big things can come uh, from the Seminole team going forward. Yeah, um, I agree with you. You know, Florida State is my most improved team uh, with a plus, you know, next to it because I, I think that they're probably the most improved team um, in college football that's like right on the edge of where they need to be. I think they can get there the fastest. Here's the thing with Florida State, and this is what they do so well, and it starts with an R, recruiting. Florida State does recruiting better than anybody in the country. Uh, I just think that they do a very good job getting young talent in, developing that talent uh, into guys that ultimately are contenders, you know, future Heisman contenders, uh, guys that go on to the NFL and are first and second round draft picks. I mean, there's just a lot of guys that have come out of Florida State and had very successful careers at the next level. So development is huge with Florida State. I think that's why a lot of uh, young guys go there and they say, you know, I have an opportunity here. It's a sought-after place, and everybody kind of scratches their head going, Florida State, really? You know, in the last few years, I I probably I was saying that myself. You know, I'm I'm guilty. I'm a guilty party in that and of, you know, I, I wasn't ever thinking about Florida State being – uh, what they used to be. And, and it's hard to say that Flor well, Florida State's getting back to who they used to be. They were good for a few years, uh, but this just seems like a different team. It, it just seems totally different. They're revitalized and, and uh, just revamped in a whole different way. Um, and, of course, you know, you do have, uh, you know, generation talent at quarterback. He's young your defense secondary. I just think that's where Florida state can be a problem uh, in the future in this conference is their secondary. They produce some of the best safeties and corners out there that end up going to the NFL. So I, I really am high on this Florida state team and I think they have a real shot this next season to go to the, uh, the ACC championship. I, it It's possible. I mean, they kept a lot of games close this year. Yeah. I, I, I wasn't, totally sold with the three losses that they had it's kind of weird and i just thought that you know they were way better than those three conference losses they had um i really think they probably should have been six six and two in in the conference or, or seven and one i think they had a real opportunity for that but there's you know a fine line right there between three losses and two and one i mean it's it can have it can happen some teams just week to week or uh, have just good good runs and you know we saw that all season long so i think for me that's why the seminoles are, are my most improved team and who knows next year they might be my standout but uh getting to the standout i mean i think this is probably clear cut uh for both of us but uh i think both of us will probably take clemson on our standout tower yeah, I'm taking Clemson. Uh, they swept uh, their conference uh, at Noah, uh, but they really had uh, a bad taste in my mouth from this team, losing 31 to 14 uh, in the Orange Bowl uh, to a Tennessee team. That's what's out there starting quarterback, but Joe Millen is, is definitely has a bright future for that team. But that was really my sense of Kate Klubniak. I mean, we're just seeing all these Clemson fans like, oh, this is going to be the next great thing. He's going to be the next Trevor Lawrence coming through the league. Uh, DJU is going to be heading uh, to the West Coast uh, of Oregon State. In a quarterback battle, but there definitely was a lot of question marks going with this Clemson team, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, you lose uh, Brent Venables, uh, he wouldn't take uh, the Oklahoma head coaching job. I think that their defense uh, was definitely their strong suit. Their offense continued to be abysmal, especially uh, with DJU. I think that their best overall game uh, was probably that Wake Forest game when they put up 49. The Syracuse game, they showed some, some burst uh, in the second half, uh, especially uh, Will Shipley. I think Will Shipley has to be the MVP for this team. He pretty much reminds me of Christian McCaffrey coming out of the backfield. He can pretty much do it all, both in the running game and the passing game. But I, coming into this season, I never had Clemson as really a playoff team. I just thought that this team, coming from last season, uh, fresh off of a 10-win season, not the season that Clemson fans are really used to, especially in the past couple of years. They're used to, you know, every year being in the 
the national championship picture and then also the college football playoff picture as well. So I really thought that their ceiling coming into this one was going to be the New Year's Six Bowl game. So 11-3 and three overall, uh, one of their losses coming to Tennessee. The most notable loss uh, was on the road against Notre Dame. I, that wasn't even close. I mean, that was a turnover city right there. I mean, Notre Dame's defense really controlled that. Uh, but the question mark is still going to be Clemson's offense going into next season. I mean, Clyde uh, Clubney at the last time that we saw him on the field wasn't really a good game against the Tennessee defense that, to be honest with you, wasn't the best defenses that we have seen this year in college football. I mean, they gave up 63 to Spencer Rattler uh, in that one game, and Georgia scored uh, almost 30 points on them. So uh, they're my standout team, but definitely a team that I think that can, is going to get passed up, especially by Florida State next season. Yeah, you hinted at what I'm going to uh, allude to with this team, and that is, you know, I'm all about the question mark teams, and, and this is the largest question mark for me. Uh, I I want to know what Clemson's going to do to develop Kate Klubniak because right now he's not ready, uh, as, as we can see. Um, you know, and, and I'll get to the other side of it that, you know, Clemson finished 11 and three. They go to the orange bowl. They're eight. No in the conference. They didn't lose a conference game. Don't let it fool you though, because over half of those conference games, they won by one score. I mean, this isn't the old Clemson team where let's blow them out. Like Deshaun Watson. Yeah. They had a lot of, a lot of close games more of in the last two years for this team. Yes. I mean, this team really could have been a middle of the pack team in the ACC. If, they didn't pull out a couple of wins. I mean, they barely squeaked out a win against Syracuse at home, uh, you know, in, in, you know, a fight with Florida state, you've got basically, it was another fight with wake forest. They, they didn't sell me on their win at Boston college. To be honest with you, Boston college had a heck of a fight in that game, to be honest with you. And, I thought they had a shot to beat them going into, you know, we're starting the fourth quarter. And I said, Boston college might have a chance. They're only down a touchdown. Um, and that's my problem. They're, they're not giving themselves enough comfort room in order to win games. I get that they, they've won them. Uh, but congratulations. I mean, most of your points have been scored in the fourth quarter because you're handing the ball off to Will Shipley, uh, wide receiver talent. They have none hate to say it but those days are gone i brought that up in sports scramble too like we're so used like the same thing with alabama too like we're so used to these dominant receivers coming out of this program like the t higgins like the sammy Watkins, like the deandre Mm -hmm. hawkins and they just don't really have that guy coming through this program anymore yeah renfro's gone yeah d hop's gone ross is gone there there are guys that are just not there anymore that they can't they just seem like they can't recruit wide receiver talent and keep it you know, they can recruit it and have him for a year. Only problem is, are you going to use him? Because, uh, you know, if we want to get inside the minds of these recruits and these these 18-year-old kids that are coming into these programs, if I go to Clemson, but I'm going to ride the bench for a season, and Dabo Sweeney says, well, you're not going to play this year. You're going to play a scout team wide receiver. Well, and I've got somebody else knocking on the door saying, hey, this is, you know, so-and-so from uh, from East Carolina University. You know, you come over here, you can win the starting job. <laughs> These kids don't care anymore. I mean, they're, they're making NIL money wherever they go. And, and they want to go where the best opportunity for them is. And that's what happens a lot of time. It, it, really, it really doesn't matter how big or small your program is. Uh, there's guys decommitting from Alabama every day. I mean, don't let it fool you folks that, that you think that Alabama is just pulling in mass amounts of people and they're keeping them. Their turnover rate is so bad that they might have elite talent. Their coaching but, staff is just as worse, and we'll get yeah, to that in the news. Yeah, I mean, you know, they might have elite talent, but they're turning away tons of elite talent. I mean, that's, that's the part that uh, – I don't think the common fan, you know, of college football understands is that it's, there's a bad turnover rate with this. I mean, just programs can't keep guys. And and that's what you have to do. Be able to keep a good core group of guys in college. And it's hard because they are, you know, 
18, 19, 20, 21 years old. And, you know, they're learning life and exploring life and they want to go wherever, you know, and it's understandable. So it's, that's the hardest part. And I think Clemson falls into that category where they have talent. It's keeping talent is their problem. They might have them for a year and then they're gone. It, it just, that's how things work now with the transfer portal and NIL and, and all that mess. It's become way bigger than in between the lines on the field. So uh, yeah, it, Clemson is, is just uh it's a disaster waiting to happen for me. It's, it's like somebody standing next to the fire alarm waiting to pull it, but uh, it, it's, it's coming. I, that's why I just think there's, there's more poised teams there in, in that division that have a bright future. And that's why, you know, your difference between your first and second place team there could be recruiting in the off season. I mean, that's, that's why it's so important. Uh, but of course I got a little deep on that. I'm sorry, but it, it <laughs> moving on, of course, to our other side of our division before we do that, we'll get a sponsor in first. Uh, our first sponsor of the show is it's a new one, guys. We're going with SeatGeek as our first sponsor of the show here. Uh, if you guys want $20 off your first purchase at SeatGeek, you guys can go on, go get your tickets for any sporting event, uh, concerts, uh, you name it. They've got it on there. You can go and get your tickets. They have a great map, show you where the best deals are there in each section of each place that you're going to. Uh, I know that Tyler and I have done it a bunch. I did it for Pelicans games, and I did it for baseball. I did it for LSU baseball games. I've done it for a lot. So uh, they really do have a very easy-to-use interface there that you guys can go and see what tickets are best suited for you. Sometimes they show a view of how it would be, you know, in that section of where you're sitting. So it's always cool to do that before you go and drop your money on that. And of course, if you get $20 off using uh, our network code BellyUpSports, you guys can get that $20 off of that first purchase over at SeatGeek. That is BellyUpSports, all one word, all together, no spaces uh, for 20% off your first purchase at SeatGeek. Moving over, Tyler, to our Coastal Division uh, this is a fun one. It's an underrated division. I think uh, this is my the ACC division that I love to watch. Like those early games at eleven o'clock, you know, most of the time contain these teams, or it's late night games on like ACC Network or whatever. I, I really like these games and these teams in here. So let's roll with it. We'll roll with our loser first uh, in this division of the Coastal. Yeah, I mean, this Coastal Division, every year, there's going to be a lot of surprises and a lot of disappointments. And the loser is probably, you could probably guess this, this was a team that I I actually had making the ACC Championship. And yes, it is the Miami Hurricanes. And what a disappointment. I mean, five and seven overall, three and five in the conference. And I think I just drank too much of the the Hurricane Kool-Aid going into the season. Everybody was hyping up Tyler Van Dyke and this Miami offense. They're going to be back. Of the 90s of the early 2000s in Miami, they hire Mario Cristobal from Oregon. And nope, it's just the same old Miami. Same old Miami that we're used to in the past couple of years. I mean, I know that's just a first-year head coach, but you're Miami people. You have an historic program. You have guys like Ed Reed coming into your house. You have all these great recruits. uh, But we just haven't seen that Miami swagger that we have seen is just gone. I mean, they they really play in a stadium that no one really wanted on. They tore down the Orange Bowl that was really now in the Miami Marlins Stadium that no one in this city wanted. I mean, the Orange Bowl was an iconic venue. And now that they'll be lucky to probably get 15000 or even 10000 uh, in the Miami Dolphins Stadium. Uh, but, I mean, the one loss that we're always going to hint at was that Middle Tennessee loss, giving up 45 points. 45! Do you at think home. that people at home. at home, do you think that people who come through this program would, you know, would – Take that. Hell no. I mean, this is just completely unacceptable. I know I'm going on a tirade, but I just feel like college football is better whenever Miami and Florida State is better. And the ACC, now that we're talking about it, like we mentioned, it's becoming the Clemson Conference. But the Coastal Division is starting to become the Carolinas and the Pittsburghs Division at this rate. And Miami is better at college basketball right now. They're ranked in the top 16. They're probably going to be a top five seed. But going into the season – 
three and five in the conference, five and seven overall, completely unacceptable. I don't care if it's your first year or 10 year, completely unacceptable at a program like this. Yeah. Um, I'm going to agree with you. They're my loser as well. Uh, biggest thing for me is like, this is, this is what's crazy. When you hear the stat, they lost the last seven of their nine games. That's terrible. Seven of their nine games. Todd. Like they play, Ba- they play. I they mean, barely nobody. beat Southern Miss too. Yeah, I mean, well, they beat Southern Miss thirty to seven. Well, uh, you know, they only and, put up like thirty. But points they only against. scored. So I mean, that game was kind of all over the place because it was ten to seven at half, and then Miami yeah, yeah. comes out That's and shuts them out in the second half. But you know, my my biggest thing is you go on the road to Texas A and M. You can only put up nine points after after you played Southern Miss. You put up nine points on the road against Texas. And that was Texas the week A&M. after that App State went to College yes. Station and beat them. Yes. And then you come back home and you let you let up forty five to Middle Tennessee after you after you held Texas A and M to seventeen points. Uh, you, you give up forty five to Middle Tennessee State. Then you stay at home and you lose to North Carolina by a field goal. I just think North Carolina was a better team in that situation. You squeak one out against a terrible Virginia tech team that finished last in the division. Uh, you barely won that one by two points uh, or by four by six points. I'm sorry. Uh, and then you, you stay at home and you play Duke. Duke puts up another 45 on you uh, and you can only muster up 21. They beat you by more than double. Uh, in after that, you know, you win by two against Virginia. They were atrocious all year long. Uh, Miami goes on, goes back home after they went to Virginia, they play Florida state and they lose by 42 points, 45 to three, uh, three points at home against Florida. I know Florida state's defense was really good, but three points at your home, you know, your home field is, is awful. I think that's crazy to me that that they did that. They lose by 30 on the road at Clemson, second to last game of the season, 40 to 10, and they lose to Pittsburgh, 42 to 16 at the end of the season. Just blowout losses that didn't make any sense to me. People are way too high on this team. No longer am I, I like nobody. I'm done. No nobody more preseason. I no picks for if me you, for this team. If you pick Miami to go over five hundred, you are crazy. You are crazy. That that's that, no way. There is no way that that's going to happen. It, it's impossible. I mean, we have a better chance of a meteor striking Earth than we have Miami making you know into the top 25 and staying in the top 25 at the end of the season. They can't do it. It's not possible. Uh, That's why they're my loser. Way too hyped up. I've told people for a number of years, stop talking about Miami because they're, they're just going to ruin it. They're just going to ruin it for you. They roll over and they forget how to play football. Um, That's my rant for Miami, you know, but it's, it's awful. It's people try to compare them to the old teams in the nineties. Forget about it. I mean that, that those days are long yeah. gone. Over. Uh, you can't it, even it, call them like a dynasty anymore. No, no, you can't. It, it's it's really bad, and I I can't stand it. So uh, enough of the loser. Moving <laughs> on to the most improved. It's making my head hurt. Yeah, I think that the most improved uh, were two candidates for me is Pittsburgh and Duke. But ultimately, I have to go with Duke just because of the circumstances that they were going through two years ago. Uh, David Cutcliffe uh, decides to retire after a very historic, uh, very good uh, tenure with the Duke Blue Devils. I mean, everybody, when you hear the word Duke, what do we think of? They're a college basketball school. But slowly but surely, this Duke football program is getting a sense of identity. And like you just mentioned, they blew out a team of Miami 42 to 16. And they had some really solid wins inside the conference. They had some close losses uh, outside of the conference uh, as well. But 9-4 season, especially uh, with uh, a 5-7 and seven season coming uh, last season and really turning that around. Uh, beating a good team like UCF in a bowl game is definitely a huge step uh, in the right direction. They blew out the doors of UCF. It was a uh, wasn't really a close game uh, from start to finish, but I'm really liking this Duke team. 
I'm going to say right now, this is, could be a dark horse team that could potentially end up in Charlotte. And who would have thought that? I mean, Duke, the football team making ACC championship, sign me up for that. Yeah, uh, I agree with you 100%. They are my most improved team. I hope they're my standout next year. You know I've been high on this team yeah. uh, all season long. I think they are the next team uh, to, to come out of that coastal division. Um as far as their season went, you know, of course, season review, look, looking at their season, uh, you know, their defense won them games early in the season. You know, your first three is, is Temple, Northwestern, and uh, North Carolina A, uh, A&T. Uh, you know, of course, those three teams really didn't do much all year. They're, they're low. Probably low, combined low, like low, three low wins teams. between those three teams. Yeah. They're all 100-plus on the rankings. I mean – uh, you go on the road at Kansas. Granted, Kansas was a good team at this time. Yeah. You lose to Kansas on the road by eight. Uh, Kansas was a really good team. I, I they fell apart in the second half of the season. Uh, of course, that's due to injury and things like that. But you know, they had a hard fought game there. Come back home, you beat Virginia on the road. You lose to Georgia Tech thirty or twenty three to twenty was kind of a bad loss. I mean, that win right there vaults you into a 10-win season, uh, which is fantastic. Uh, that would be major. You come back home and you lose to three again against North Carolina, the winner of the division. Uh, you win that game. You win that game, and you're you're going to Charlotte. Yeah, uh, that, that's the thing about the it. And at that time... Games. Yeah, and at that time, I don't think anybody was thinking about it at that point. But that that really decided it right there. Those two weeks with Georgia Tech and North Carolina really decided the rest of your season because you go down the list, yeah, you lost to two points on the road at Pitt. Uh, but other than that, you, you ran the rest of the schedule. I, I think, you know, three of their losses were all within margins of three points or less. Uh, which is pretty impressive. I mean, the largest loss you took all season was eight points. That's impressive. I, I, I that's really, really good. Uh, it speaks to how well your offense moved the football, how good your defense was. Uh, I just think they're a well-rounded team. They're they're young. They're fiery. Their head coach is new, improved. It's it's all over. Uh, that program. So I really look for the Duke Blue Devils. Like you said, I, I hope they're in Charlotte next year. I, I really do. Uh, it's time for their program to step up and, and kind of have some light uh, in the conference. Of course, it's basketball dominated. So I, I hope that uh, they're in Charlotte here next season. And that's why they're most, they're both of our most improved teams here. Let's see if we can have a clean sweep of the coastal Tyler. Who is your standout in the ACC? Well, I'm going with the number one team uh, in the division, uh, the North Carolina Tar Heels. Now, their defense was not standout. Let's uh, not forget about that. I mean, they had an awful start to their first half, and they did make adjustments uh, throughout the season. Uh, Gene Chizik uh, was able uh, to get it going. Uh, really, we haven't seen Chizik uh, on the sidelines uh, since uh, Auburn hoisted that national championship trophy uh, with that Cam Newton uh, team. But Drake May was really the standout of this team. I mean, you lose a guy like Sam Howell and you replace him with Drake May. I feel like Drake May is, is going to be better overall uh, than Sam Howell. I mean, Drake May going into next year's draft could be one of the first uh, quarterbacks taken off of the board along with Caleb Williams out of USC. Uh, but for this North Carolina team uh, to reach their ceiling and their peak next year, their defense has to get better Overall, they can't just start out slow at the gates and then really figure it out. And really the one loss that I was really scratching my head at, like Duke, was they lost to Georgia Tech. I mean, Georgia Tech is a team that they're not running the triple option anymore, people. So it's not hard to stop their offense. I mean, their offense was one of the worst in the ACC. They ranked in 100th and almost dead last in the ACC, along with Virginia Tech uh, in Virginia and that one. So I think that North Carolina nine and five uh, overall did end up losing uh, their uh, bowl game, uh, but still overall six and two uh, in the conference. Uh, really, I think that the coastal was very strong at the top with North Carolina, Pittsburgh, and Duke, and then you had your pretty much bottom tiers after that. So I think that North Carolina handled their business inside the conference, but they have to do a better job of handling their business outside of it. 
Yeah, I, I totally agree with you that they're my standout as well, only because they won the division. I think that uh, that's why. But, uh, you know, looking at it, they won nine of their first 10 games. Their only loss in that 10-game stretch came to Notre Dame. At the time, Notre Dame, everybody's like, oh, my God. Of course, I was one of them. I was like, oh, my God, Notre Dame's going to suck, and they're not going <laughs> to win more than four games this year. Uh, and then miraculously, I don't know what happened, but um, you could say North Carolina really like woke up the beast of Notre yeah, Dame. Season. They really did. I mean, you gave up 45 at home uh, to to Notre Dame, so I, I just that shocked me. But uh, I, I mean, looking within the conference, they did well. Yeah, like you said, the Georgia Tech loss is weird. Kind of a strange loss. The NC State loss at home is weird. Both of those are home games for them, and you lose both. Uh, it just seems a little odd. It really was strange for that to happen. But uh, Clemson, you got the doors blowing off you at that point. I thought they really should have kept up uh, a big fight against against Clemson. I mean, looking at what Clemson had done, I said, well, you know, this is going to be a really competitive game. I know it was 9 versus 23, but, you know, it, it could be really competitive. Uh, you get blown out in that game. All of a sudden, you go from twenty-three to unranked into a bowl game against Oregon, where you lose by one point. Uh, I really think that you know that was a that was an all-out shootout. I I just think that you know whoever had the ball last was going to win that football game, and ultimately that's what happened. But uh, I think North Carolina is still okay for now, but I can't pick them as for next season. I can't pick them to go when to you're Mr. ACC. You have been red hot with yeah, your picks. So. I mean, you know, when we go to the season preview for next season, I mean, we'll talk about it a lot. But I, I don't think I – as of right now, unless something was to drastically change over the off season, and I saw something in spring ball or something, you know, that really caught my eye, I, I can't take North Carolina as my pick to go back to Charlotte. Uh, it just – there's too, there's too much there looking at it that – gives me anxiety and <laughs> it's like I, this team i mean they were good for the start of the season but they started crumbling and i think they had the clem the the, the kansas syndrome and the in the uh the syracuse syndrome you know and it kind of just all was a, a downhill effect from there uh but moving on of course those are our standouts for uh that getting into our next piece of course is the news tyler of course our news is brought to you by fanatics if you guys want to go get all of that fan gear super bowl week so uh go get your gear for the game uh go your get your uh tostitos and, and the scoops tostito scoops it's the way to go uh but if you guys want to go over there and get i got off topic we're talking about food um if you guys want to go get all of your Fanatics merch over there, you guys can use the link below in the description. Help support the channel here. And uh, we're growing really fast. Tyler and I were actually talking about this earlier today. Uh, show is growing so fast. This show, of course, our Sports Scramble show is growing so fast. Uh, and it's great to see all of the new subscribers and people coming in uh, to watch and tune into our show, giving their thoughts uh, on YouTube, TikTok, twitter uh just a regular podcast you know and it really is good it's good for us it helps us motivate and keep going each week uh but of course i got a little sidetracked but getting into our news tyler i'll let you take the news you are the news guy and of course uh it's about the sec and you are mr sec so you know i give the floor to you yeah, the Texas-Oklahoma drama continues to ramble and ramble on as talks, as you can see, their talks fill over Oklahoma and Texas jump to the SEC. So there were some talks, uh, especially during the season, uh, that it's a potential that Oklahoma and Texas could join the SEC as early as 2024. But as ESPN's Pete Thamel writes, that is not likely going to happen. The move is likely going to be happening in 2025. Uh, so really what I'm seeing uh, for this article is that it's a network problem. We know that Texas has a Longhorn network uh, with ESPN. And then as a whole, the Big 12 has a negotiation with Fox. They have that big noon kickoff. I know that the Big 10 also has that, but the Big 10 is moving to CBS. So now the Big 12 is primarily going to be 
Fox Big Network and the Big Noon Kickoff. They'll probably have every big uh, Big 12 game. So that's really holding off of that, uh, the network negotiations between the ESPN and Fox uh, and the Big 12. So just negotiations continue to ramble on. The SEC obviously uh, will leave CBS and now will be the really face in the conference uh, of the ESPN. So a lot of network deals uh, definitely uh, taken over this. Uh, you know, we love football, but these schools' main objective is to make the most money as possible from these uh, TV deals. Uh, so it's looking likely that Texas and Oklahoma are going to be joining the SEC in 2025. Uh, so both of those fan bases will have to spin their Big 12, the new Big 12, actually, with new teams coming in. We have BYU, Houston, UCF. Uh, and others uh, coming in, uh, the schedules uh, were released. So we'll definitely be breaking those down uh, whenever we finish our season and review series. Uh, but, yeah, we'll have to wait a couple more years until uh, both of these powerhouses uh, join the SEC in 2025. Yeah, uh, you know, money is money, of course, in the sport, and it, it drives it uh, as much as we hate to say it, but that's what happens, so – uh, yeah, it just things go on and off all the time. And, and, you know, I, I was surprised at the news of it being close to 2024. And I was like, man, that's a really fast move, but I guess it's possible. Uh, now, you know, you're talking 2026, but it, you know, things, things happen, you know, it is a business, a business first, you know, mentality for a lot of these people these people that run these conferences and getting things right with each conference, the NCAA, it's tough to do. I mean, I, I understand where, you know, they're coming from with, you know, the rumors of it being pushed forward. Nothing was ever like confirmed for 2024. Uh, there's a lot of rumors and it was like, Oh, 2024, they're coming over. And, you know, sure. A lot of us hopped on the hype train for it because the sec, you know, is a big brand of football and everybody's like, well, you know, we want to see some new teams come in and, you know, change it, changes the entire makeup of the SEC and, of course, the Big 12. Uh, but now it's kind of like, you know, the one shy kid that goes to, to summer camp, you know, and this is what's going to happen where they're going to hang out for a couple of years with the new teams that are coming into the Big 12. Uh, and then they'll just say, see you, peace. And, you know, it's like a, a two-year stint with these teams, and it, it's weird, and, you know, it's changing. I just think everybody needs to get on the same page uh, from the aspect of the NCAA. Everybody needs to be making moves at a certain time, or you're just going to have an overload in one conference. Like, you're going to see where the Big 12 is going to be overloaded. Uh, you're going to have a lack of teams in other conferences because of people moving. Uh, and I think the biggest things that are going to hurt is the group of five. I mean, you know, the group of five is going to hurt the most because of moves like this. But of course, if, since we have group of five teams moving into the power five, you're going to see teams that aren't in the group of five outside of it move into the group of five. And you're going to see them kind of fill that gap, which I'm excited for. Uh, so I mean, that's the only thing I, I just rumors are rumors. And, and of course, until uh, unless something is confirmed, and it is uh, spoken from the horse's mouth, uh, it, it, you know, it can change instantly. So, yeah. And our uh, next and final news is, uh, once again, Alabama's hiring again, uh, to hiring uh, Notre Dame's uh, offensive coordinator, uh, Tommy Reese. Uh, now, Tommy Reese was on the market last offseason when Brian Kelly was on the move uh, to Baton Rouge, uh, but Reese decided to stay with Notre Dame. But whenever Nick Saban comes to calling, there's uh, really no other answer uh, than yes. Yes is the only answer when coming to this. Uh, so Tom Marisa is definitely one of the bright minds uh, in college football. He definitely has ties uh, to the game. Uh, he's a former Notre Dame uh, quarterback, uh, and he spent the past three seasons uh, as their quarterback's coach. Uh, but Brian Kelly uh, really stepped him up into the offensive coordinator. So uh, Alabama last season had Bill O'Brien as their offensive coordinator but he decided to move back to New England, to the Patriots. So Tommy, enter Tommy Reese. As I feel like every year, it's like Alabama's hiring an offense coordinator. It went from like Kiffin to Bill O'Brien to Steve Sarkeesian. And then watch, Tommy Reese is going to be like the next guy. He's probably going to get hired by like a power five school and then be like, be the greatest coach of all time. So what are your thoughts on this? Hire? 
Alabama's a headache. Um, <laughs> I've said that from day one. But this is why, you know, it's just like the players. I mean, you know, coaching staff is kind of like the players in the same aspect where they move around, there's contracts, there's things, and it happens. But Alabama has so much turnover, like you mentioned in the coaching staff when we were talking about it. But it's so bad that they can't get a rhythm. I mean, you've got kids there for four years, and you're throwing three different offensive coordinators at them. No wonder they can't get in a rhythm and know what to do in big situations. Well, you know, well they have the entire offseason to figure it out. I don't care if they have the entire offseason to figure it out. If you give them somebody new that they have to work with that they've never worked with before, it takes time and lots of it. And Bryce Young ain't going to be there next year, so he's got a lot of work yeah. to do. And so, Jameer uh, Gibbs is going to be out of there, too. Yeah, So, uh, and you're also, yeah, in, in situations like this, if you change offensive coordinators, you're risking losing that offensive talent, too. They might like their OC more than they like you as the head coach. You know, it, it really comes down to who do I answer to when I come to the side? Most of the time, it's the offensive coordinator. They're making the play calls. I'm running their offense. I'm not running – you know, the head coach's offense. I mean, that's why there's a lot of, you know, there's OCs in college football. Head coaches aren't making play calls most of the time. So I just think that, you know, you're lose, you risk losing good talent on the offensive side of the football when you make too many moves in your coaching staff. Uh, you know, as much as you see, I mean, there are, there are guys out there, you know, this, this is the case of, you know, it gets deep, but it is what it is. Uh, you know, there are kids and young men that go to these programs that view these coaches as father figures. And, you know, those that don't have that family or, you know, that family's really far and distant from them, you know, a lot of times you know, they're going over to those coaches' house and eating dinner, spending holidays, things like that. So they have a real connection with these coaches, uh, you know, with their offensive coordinators or defensive coordinators or whoever it may be. And you making moves can change uh, something bigger than football for, for these players' lives. Because, um, of, of course, you know, recently all the word's been about, you know, these players are people too. You know, and their lives come first. And I think they view that too. They're not waking up every day and saying, well, I'm a football player. I'm built different than any other person on this planet. That's not true. I mean, they they have blood through, flowing through their body and, and heartbeats too. And they blink and think, you know, it, it really is hard for them to make that transition too, not just the staff. Uh, and that's why you lose talent. I mean, you're going to see a lot of Alabama talent leave. You've already seen a lot of it leave this offseason. Uh, you know, and it's just going to continue. Guys just don't mix well with other people. And, and, you know, if they try it for a little bit and say, it's not for me. And, and you know, look, they're making a decision for themselves. Uh, and, of course, it's all been about player impact and taking care of themselves now that I don't blame them. Uh, for making the move where they feel that it's right. Um, and of course, a lot of us look at it, you know, we see people move like DJ, you go into uh, Oregon state, you know, or somebody else going somewhere that's like from a big school to something really small. And we're scratching our head going, why did they go there? Well, maybe it's not everything on the football field. You know, maybe it's something off of the football field that we're not seeing. So I really think that, you know, we all need to take a step back and look at it that, you know, it can be bigger than what happens there between the lines with the pigskin. You know, it's you making moves all the time. Alabama makes the most moves in coaching staff out of anybody in college football. It just turnover after turnover. And it's, it, it hurts, you know, their quote unquote dynasty uh, of Alabama. And that's why Georgia's been that. I haven't seen anybody leave the Georgia coaching staff in the last couple of years. Have you? No, I, that's, that's where I'm getting at. Keep your core talent. If you want it there, that's how you keep going. I mean, that's how you, unless you're trying to improve it and you think that OC sucked, then go ahead and do it. But I know for a fact that Bill O'Brien's not a bad coach. 
not saying that they fired him. They didn't say they fired him. They said that he was just moving on. Of course, he's making that call for himself. But you need to find a way to keep your coaching staff there regardless of the situation or you're going to keep having turnover like this. And Alabama is not going to get to the playoff if they keep doing that. Um, There's my rant for <laughs> the show. Um, Yeah, I, I, I just don't like it. Folks, I'm very passionate about what happens off the field as well. So, uh, yeah, there's my rant for the day. I'm sorry. It was about 10 minutes long, but it is what it is. Um, And, of course, we'll close out with the fun part. Back to the ACC to close out the show. Of course, our question is sponsored by Yeti. If you guys want to go and get all that Yeti merch, of course, summertime and springtime is coming soon. Uh, the snow is going away, hopefully slowly. I think they're getting snow in the Midwest right now. Um, I'm sorry. I don't know. I don't know if Chet's getting snow. I think it's too far north of them. Right. Right I, I would say it's like the sixties over there. Yeah. I mean, I know we got poured on the other day, but you know, it, uh, it, it, yeah. Um, I forgot where I was going with it. Um, moving into our question. It, it, is a weird one. I, I'm, I don't know which ACC player is most likely to sneak into Heisman conversation for the next year. Folks, stop and think. This is a quarterback award. Take away all other people. Leave the quarterbacks. So you're talking about quarterbacks within the ACC, basically. Unless you're going to talk about a running back that's going to put up three million yards in a season, it's a quarterback award. Tyler, go for it. Yeah, you nailed it on the head. Uh, this is uh, the Heisman Trophy, uh, like the MVP, and the NFL has become a quarterback uh, award. I think that this year was really the first year that we didn't even know, like, the start of the season. Like, we knew, like, C.J. Stroud was pretty much the ultimate favorite to win the Heisman, and then Caleb Williams was probably the second favorite, and then no one really saw Max Duggan be a Heisman finalist. So, so there are some dark horses. I think that Going into this year, you'll have uh, your guys uh, at the top. Uh, once again, I think that J.J. McCarthy could be up there. Uh, guys like Jordan Travis, Drake May uh, in the ACC. The SEC quarterback, who knows? I think that it could be a guy like Jane Daniels, especially if he has a, a good season uh, once again. But since we're in the ACC, I'm going to go with a guy that I've been very high on and very impressed with, especially this season. This has been a guy that's been dealing with a lot of injuries throughout his collegiate career that really has halted his ceiling. I think that he reached it. I think that he's going to reach his peak here in 2023. Is he's going to lead this team to an ACC championship, and that's going to be Florida State's quarterback, Jordan Travis. I think that Jordan Travis is an absolute playmaker. I think right now he would probably be a projected a third-round, a second-round pick. But I think that with a good performance on the field, I think that he's going to have that. This could be a guy that can sneak into the first round and be on the likes of – the guys like Drake May and Cale Williams uh, heading into next year's NFL draft. I mean, he has all the intangibles that you're asking for a quarterback. Not only can he throw the ball pretty good down the field, but he also has the ability to play make uh, with his legs. I've been mentioning this. We're seeing a lot of new quarterbacks in the league. You're seeing what Patrick Mahomes, what he can do. You're seeing what Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, what he can do uh, in the NFL uh, with his legs. So I just feel like this has just been the norm. We're seeing Josh Allen as well a big bulky guy that can just run guys over. So I think that Jordan Travis is a more lean build. He's kind of like built like uh, Bryce Young, but he's a little bit taller uh, than Bryce Young. I believe he's at 6'2", 6'3", stature. Uh, so I think that he can not only become a Heisman conversation, but I think that he's one of my front runners to take home the Heisman Trophy uh, next season. Yeah, um, Jordan Travis is a really good pick. Uh, I, I like what he's done. He's a big guy in the backfield. So, yeah, I, I really think that – I, I tell you what, I, I haven't seen anybody throw the football as hard and as fast, as accurate he, as he has this past season. It was really impressive to see from a young guy. Uh, no, I definitely think that his completion percentage um, and how deep and accurate he can throw the football – is really going to help him vault himself into Heisman contention. Really good pick. For me, I'm going to go Drake May. Um, I, I think that the end of the season, kind of, that, you know, he faded off a little ways, you know, with their losses. And I think that Drake May has an opportunity. Of course, North Carolina has to win 10 games in order for that to happen. 
Uh, I think that's my only thing. It's hard to do it, but looking at it, I really don't have much options. Kate Klubniak is not going to be warming a chair uh, for the Heisman Trophy. It's just not going to happen. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke is not going to be warming a chair for the Heisman Trophy. It's not going to happen. Uh, anybody else within the conference at quarterback, uh, Brennan Armstrong is not going to be warming a chair for the Heisman Trophy. Believe me, I, I know that uh, just as much as I know the sun will come up tomorrow. So I, I I'm I, it's hard to take these people, but I, I've I got to go with Drake May. Yeah, it's he's the closest talent there to Jordan Travis. I, I think you've got the A plus and I guess I got the A minus. I, I don't want to take the same one. Uh, cause you know, it, there are quarterbacks there. I think, you know, Jordan Travis, I think he will probably be the front runner, uh, for most of the season. I think that he can be the front runner for most of the season. Uh, there will be other quarterbacks to make appearances within their young quarterbacks. Um, of course that's what's happening. You're seeing a lot of young quarterbacks there. I don't think Caleb Williams is going to be in the Heisman trophy spot next year. I, I don't think that he's going to be even sitting there. I just don't think that USC is going to be that good. So that's just my opinion. And of course we get to the, that mess. Uh, USC is atrocious to me, but I, I think that it's a good pick young quarterbacks, big quarterbacks are coming back. Like Josh Allen built quarterbacks are coming back. That's kind of how I view Jordan Travis. He's kind of got the Josh Allen type build to him. He's skinny, tall, type thing um he's one of course you know now we're getting out of the acc but uh drew allers one for me uh i think he can be a really good quarterback josh allen he reminds me of josh allen just looking at him i mean build wise uh reminds me of josh allen so I, i think there's a lot of opportunity there for guys uh to be sitting there, you know, at the Heisman Trophy. I mean, like you, like you said, you know, nobody thought that Max Duggan would be sitting there, you know, and of course there will be a guy sitting there that nobody thought he would be sitting there, you know, when we get to the Heisman Trophy, uh, a little less than a year from now. So, uh, folks, that of course is all for our show, close to an hour show, a little longer than we thought or anticipated. But I went on a few tangents. He went on a few tangents, and that's how it goes. But uh, Of course, if you guys want any more of our college football coast-to-coast content, we generally do a beginning of the week. Uh, Of course, it is hump day. The Monday afternoon is more during the season. Off-season is going to fluctuate because we are busy. Sure, it fluctuates in the off-season. Today's hump day, so, you know, middle of the week, and and that's where it fits. But uh, Tyler and I's busy schedule, and we finally found – a little bit of time to sit down and do it. Uh, if you guys want to check out Sports Scramble, we do that on Sunday nights and things. But, folks, coming up this weekend, of course, is the Super Bowl. We will be doing our Super Bowl watch party. Uh, so you guys can tune into that. Please come in and watch. Hang out with us. Uh, Chet and I are going to bet stupid money, I'm sure, and we'll lose our money. Uh, but it's all fun and games, and we do it for a good time and to hang out. So uh, if you guys want to come over there and hang out with us, you can do that for our Super Bowl watch party. That'll start right around game time at 5 30 uh and of course sec talk tyler so you know it, college basketball is winding down as we get close to the tournament uh conference championships will be coming up soon so i'm sure you'll be talking about that soon of course college baseball is on the horizon very close to getting started i know your tigers are a contender in the sec so you know there's a lot so you know a lot of teams in the sec coming up so we will see uh you guys are probably going to be starting back really soon i'm sure yeah especially so. uh whenever the conference tournament the sec basketball tournament will also be covering uh the women's as well i feel like we got to give them some love as well i feel like the sec is really turning into a powerhouse and that uh, and to add on to uh the, the sports scramble yeah definitely tune in to the watch party. Hopefully it's a better game than the national championship when it was, wasn't even a close game. Hopefully you get a, a lot of great moments uh, that we can post uh, on TikTok, uh, some reactions. I'm sure that we're going to put uh, some bets down uh, throughout the game. I'm sure that we'll probably be stupid again. And you know, the Chiefs, so we'll probably be losing and be like, Hey, let's do a uh, Chiefs money line real quick. And, or let's uh, guess, you know, what color Gatorade Andy Reid or Nick Sirianni is going to be uh, 
Dallas whip, uh, but it should be a lot of fun. I think that we're going to add a couple of new things. Uh, whenever the commercial is going on, we'll do some Super Bowl trivia and um, maybe give out some prizes uh, as well. So definitely tune into that. Should be a lot of fun uh, on uh, Sunday uh, night. And then our regular sports scramble will be on Monday night uh, since uh, the boys will be out of town, especially uh, Chet and Wade. Uh, they're uh, going to be uh, celebrating uh, Wade's uh, bachelor party trip. I couldn't make it because obviously I'm a working man and got to work for the Pels, uh, but I think that they'll have a lot of fun. I'm sure that they'll have a lot of stories uh, on Monday. So it's going to be a busy weekend uh, for a lot of us coming up uh, here on, on the shows. Absolutely. So we will see you guys of course, next week for college football, coast to coast, coast to coast. Why did I say? Okay. Uh, <laughs> of course, I have to hint at what conference will be in next week. That's right. Next week's conference is the Big 12. Ooh. Uh, it'll be a really big, uh, a lot to come in the Big 12. Of course, we talked a little bit about it on today's show. It's so only I mean, one division, too. So yes. it, it, It's only one big division, so it won't be very long, like two divisions. So uh, the Big 12 is next week, guys. We will see you guys next week for that as our season in review series continues.